The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Talking Backwards is an independently produced program. If you would like to help support us and join our community of patrons, you can do so through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. There you can find ways to not only help us grow the show, but also get access to exclusive merch, live streams, behind-the-scenes content, and even early access to upcoming episodes. That's patreon.com slash talkingbackwards. We hope to see you in the future. Or is it past? Hey folks, this is Dave from Talking Backwards, the Twin Peaks podcast. This episode touches on themes of sexual and domestic violence, so if you aren't familiar with the series or have sensitivities to these topics, understand that it's going to come up in the narrative. Our coverage is discussion-based and has a comedic tone, however this is solely directed to the series itself and in the production thereof. Talking Backwards in no way intends to make light of or condone these issues. That said, let's jump back into this week's episode of Talking Backwards. Welcome back to Talking Backwards, a Twin Peaks podcast. If you're back with us from the pilot, thanks for sticking with us. It was a lot of information, and we had a lot to cover to get the universe established. But here we are, back for Season 1, Episode 2, Traces to Nowhere. Uh, I am Dave Jackson. With me, as always, is Patrick Mahan. Hello, everybody. And Tyler Mullins. Yo. That was a callback to Episode 1. When you said yo? Yo. That's how James <laughs> answered his roll call. <laughs> yo. That's right. <laughs> if you're listening for the first time, Twin Peaks is a show created by David Lynch and Mark Frost, aired in 1990. Uh, Talking Backwards is a podcast where we watch every episode and discuss. Uh, I have a bit of experience with Twin Peaks. Uh, Patrick is pretty fresh. Tyler has never seen the show before. I stay for a picnic. <laughs> I know we're done with episode one, but that <laughs> delivery was so weird. Nice day for a picnic. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Episode two. Episode one. Yeah, episode one. Technically, this is called episode one. Uh, it's also titled Traces to Nowhere. So we're getting into season one, episode two, Traces to Nowhere. And uh, this one is a little bit weirder. So I'll tell you why. Go ahead. Because it was directed by Dwayne Dunham, the editor of the pilot episode. So David Lynch stepped away from this episode uh, from being the director. I don't think it was ever his intention to direct every single episode. Why would you? Of course, that is what he went on to do for (laughs) the return. But um, he and Mark also wrote this episode um, to, I guess, continue their vision of what the show was going to be. We are going to go into this episode under the assumption that everyone listening has seen it. 
So beware of spoilers if you have not. Stop now and go watch it because it's excellent and you should. I really like this episode a lot. I like that it does get weirder. I think every episode as the show goes on just gets weirder. Yeah, the, the more ele- <laughs> I would agree with that statement. <laughs> the more elements we introduce, the, the weirder and better it gets for me. I'm, I'm a big fan of supernatural and strange and being unsure of what's going on. That's what makes the show fun, though, to be to like, especially, you know, this day and age. I mean, I know I realized that millions of people watched the show when it originally aired. So this was like the what they would call water cooler, you know, talk mm, yeah, like yeah. the gossip the next day was this show. It was who killed Laura Palmer. But now with who like, shot JR. Yeah. But now with like in the internet, you know, it's like you can go, you know, anywhere where you can do discussions online and there's, you know, theories and posts about yes yeah, still anything. to this day yeah i mean any show but even this show still to this day people are still coming up with <laughs> whatever oddball theories that they can that well as, as far as i know the circle still hasn't closed like this still has not ended right properly sure whatever you think what and this <laughs> yeah even i am done with this show <laughs> no we're just getting started uh we start with uh, my favorite character, Agent Cooper, just doing his thing in his room. He's hanging upside down, talking to Diane on his tapes. Yes, and this is where I have to chime in. Who the hell is Diane? <laughs> Diane, if I had to put a prediction to it at this point in the uh, series, Diane got to be his secretary, maybe, for at the FBI. But is he mailing her these tapes? Because yeah, he's just bag talking of tapes. on a recorder. He's mailing her a bag of tapes every day. He's overnighting them for sure. Oh, we see yeah, that. at not, the local Twin Peaks FedEx, not, not media mail store. <laughs> He's overnighting them <laughs> to her. Man, media mail is such a good rate, though. It is a good rate, but Take this guy works. I guess there. with the good rate, he got at the Great Northern. This guy he has the funds. <laughs> it's true. He works for the FBI. Right, right, right. Uh, I like everything about Agent Cooper, and this episode just begins by solidifying all the things that I like. It doubles down on. The things you like about him. It really, really does. I like that he just assumes that the TV reception is good in his room because he yeah. hasn't used it yet. Yeah. He's like, reception's probably great. Like, haven't tried it, but it's got to be great because the bed's clean. Yeah. Agent like, Cooper doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who watches a lot of TV. Well, that he said be it would wrong. be the, the odd chance that he got to knock off early is the only time he would watch it. Right. So he's, he hasn't even started to investigate the television situation. He's just like, it's got to be great because this town's great. He's falling in love with Twin Peaks. Yeah. Since he got to this town, his hands have been full. Mm-hmm. He also travels Spurs. with those hanging sit-up boots. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, on the off chance that there's a, yeah. a pipe that passes through any room he's staying in. That's just luck. Yeah, like he seems like a man who leaves little to chance. <laughs> he probably divined that there was going to be a pipe in that room and brought his hanging boots just in case. And That's all the while, true. while he's concerned with the murder of Laura Palmer, he still has time to be concerned about. Uh, the Kennedys and JFK. Kennedys and coffee and pie. Yeah. He's still uh, got Marilyn Monroe in the back of his mind. And yeah. what was she up to? What was she up to? But it's the next scene that really, really, I feel like is like the quintessential Cooper scene. Because mm-hmm. um, it has one of the most famous lines of the show. Um as he takes his first sip of coffee from the Great Northern. Let's hear it. Okay. You know, this is, excuse me, a damn fine cup of coffee. I've had, I can't tell you how many cups of coffee in my life, and this, this is one of the best. <laughs> so great. And he's a gentleman. Before yeah. he yeah. pops it off, he says, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. Because I'm about to curse, ma'am. But yeah, this, it's so quintessential to his character. And then he goes on to order breakfast very specifically, very 
federal agently, but it's it's still yeah. like <clears throat> he says, "I want my bacon cremated, super I, crispy." I didn't hear that until <laughs> the second time I, I watched it. But cremated. <laughs> I want eggs hard. I know it's bad for the cholesterol, but old habits die hard. As hard as I want my eggs. <laughs> So good. Uh, But this is where he gets introduced to Audrey Horn, who he spots approaching him very lustfully, and he very bravely immediately stands up. The way he's looking at her, like, I would just assume he's as hard as he wants his eggs. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. uh, No, it's it's a very nonchalant kind of interaction, and uh, it sparks this relationship, and it's it's a meet cute. Yeah, it is, because she wants it to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Audrey's a girl who gets what she wants. As I wrote down, Audrey is diabolical. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a perfect word for Audrey Horn. Wow. Uh, yeah. Played by Sherilyn Finn, who owns every scene that she's in, really chooses scenery, and really makes the most of this character. She's a lot of fun to watch. But I also kind of hate her for several episodes before I decide whether or not I want to see more of this character. I, I have no decision made on how I feel about her. Other, I mean, <laughs> And it'll take a while. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen. I guess I've only seen sides of her that I dislike. I guess I hate her. <laughs> <laughs> she sucks. Uh, something interesting that I found out during this episode is the fact that uh, Audrey's brother Johnny is 27 years old and in the third grade. Yes, right. yeah. I I, can I don't know a lot about learning disabilities or anything like that, but I I feel like this is non-functioning. No, I I'd say he's a very low-functioning person. Well, there's something off with the horns in general. Yeah, it's. I mean, I'd say with, they're dysfunctional. Yeah, we'll we'll see later that uh, Ben and his brother Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ben and Jerry have a pretty strange relationship, and so I don't know what their lineage is like, but it has definitely spilled into their posterity. Yeah, yeah. where there's just some weird stuff going on, and maybe it's just the town because everybody's a little bit wrong. That yeah. is accurate. <laughs> It's it's the kind of thing where you you watch an episode like this and I think it's just something in the air there. Yeah, you you kind of figure out how people are working it. and you wonder if it's not the town that's poisoning everybody's existence. Like Cooper is obviously I already like that very eccentric, and he's he's it's developed these things before he even got there. But he also it's whatever's coming out of the smoke at the mill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's very eccentric, but he also seems to have this kind of spiritual connection, and he's made for a place like this. Like him getting here was not. It was either this. It was either this or Tibet. Loves Tibet. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I also love uh, him busting into the room to greet Harry Truman as he's housing a donut harder than I've ever (laughs) seen. That's one of the funniest scenes because right before he even walks in, you see him take the biggest bite (laughs) of that (laughs) donut. Continues to take bites. His mouth is already full. He gives him the complete rundown of the day and then he's just, then he's out of the room before he can even say, he doesn't even say anything. I kept thinking for even like when I rewatched it, I thought maybe he said like, okay or something, but he doesn't say a word. Right. Because Cooper says, Harry, I have to urinate. Yeah, I have to urinate. <laughs> and just leaves him with his full mouth of donut. Yeah. So and then by the time, or from the time that Cooper leaves and he finishes his donut, bite is like 15 seconds. Yeah. Like I it's a it's really long time. Yeah. Like I think if and I that, was. The swallow is so loud. <laughs> it's so loud. It is a purposeful swallow. Yes. Because yep. uh, he's swallowing that much information as well. It's symbolic. I like that. Do we have the audio of the swallow? We do. Now, I've got the rest of our day mapped out. Let's meet back here in three minutes. Harry, I really have to urinate. Oh, by the way, coffee at the Great Northern? Incredible. (laughs) 
Uh, this is where we learn that uh, Leo might not just be a trash bag, but maybe also a violent person outside of the household. Yeah, so I... I definitely s- domestically violent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and I wrote down that Leo is a tool <laughs> with an ellipsis. Yeah, definitely take note of that. And sure. then said, and a killer. I just assume, you know, first of all, did you do all the laundry? Yeah. No, you didn't. <laughs> Throws her another Just bag to be laundry. an arbitrary jerk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gives an heretofore unseen <laughs> basket of laundry to and his wife, who has to go to work, mind yeah. you. Like, she's about to leave. I'll do it when I get back. Now, Shelly. Did you finish cleaning my boots? <laughs> so Did you finish she, cleaning Leo's shoes? She goes and puts it in the laundry and finds this bloody shirt. And to me, when she puts it in the drawer, he opens the door before the drawer closes you hear him like you see him and based on the the set setup like he totally would have seen her shut this drawer so when he goes back to look for it later like check the freaking drawer dude well he yeah. does live he blind with rage so yeah it, i would be surprised if he missed it's it. it's right before a fade out it just has him like staring into the distance like he's just standing there for like five seconds one of the few fade outs in the show too like yeah. everything's a hard cut yeah. until you have somebody who doesn't have anything to do or say you can tell where the commercial we, breaks were. who kind where, of where ends, do we go from ends here? their event cycle and we'll just doesn't know what else to yeah. do so when cooper's at the sheriff station they do the autopsy mm. of uh laura palmer and Doc Hayward says he couldn't do it because he was too close because he delivered mm-hmm. Laura yeah. Palmer. And his daughter's best yeah. friend. Because it's a small town. Right. It's a large town. Yeah. They said they had someone from another town do the autopsy. I oh, believe. was it from another town? I didn't hear that. I think. I just assumed yeah. it was a, somebody else. He was a name. Yeah, they said the guy was Joe Fielding. Joe Fielding, yeah. Joe Fielding? Yeah. Says they came, uh, yeah, he says that he came from Fairville. Does this come up again? I don't think so. Uh, but in a little bit of trivia here from the episode, there's no town called that in the United States, and that it's most likely a reference to a fictional California town where Psycho takes place, um, Alfred Hitchcock's movie, which David Lynch is a big Hitchcock buff, I believe. So that's probably where he got that from. Weird. I mean, Twin Peaks is not a stranger to being influenced by and influencing other such mediums. Like this for is sure. this is a huge inspiration for a lot of the things we find in games like Silent Hill, uh, the movie Jacob's Ladder. Uh, but I was gonna say too that was when it was revealed that she had I think three sexual relations the day three sexual partners yeah three uh, sexual partners the same day she must have known that this was gonna be it for her. It's not stated that they're all assaults. It's that she had three sexual partners that day. Right. Uh, it, it is. Yeah, we don't know who they are or anything. We know from Ronette's examination that she was raped multiple times, but it didn't say that it was from multiple sources. Right. So whoever the killer was definitely had a hand in. He was definitely one of the three, but the other two we don't know yet or if it was even violent. They get to talk to James about uh, the night Laura ran off and how she was weird. Uh, we see a, an image of the necklace being broken in half and the necklace says best friends. (laughs) (laughs) It does. But also the sound it makes when it breaks is obviously it's like plastic. It's put in post. It's the way they're holding it. Like, I don't know why they didn't try harder to make it look like it was actually one piece, but they're like not lined up Mm -hmm. and go. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, okay. (laughs) 
That looked really hard, guys. <laughs> that was obviously a very solid and expensive piece of jewelry. But yeah, and he says, uh, what does he say? He doesn't, what do they ask? Oh, where if he knows where the other half is? He says he doesn't know. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. He doesn't know. Um, is that before we get to Mike and Bobby in the cell? Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're, that's, that's right that. before it. Yeah. Okay. And so they're having their conversation in the cell together about uh, Leo. having to pay Leo back. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously the other half of the money we realize is with law. That's what that money was right. from the box. Yeah. So box. I didn't pick up till the second time. I don't know why I didn't hear him talking about Leo, or I didn't remember that his name was Leo. So the second time I watched it, I was like, "Oh, he's a killer." Yeah. So they're in deep with Leo for something, probably drugs, right? Uh, because it's cash in hand that's being talked about. Yes, cash. That's cash. Missing. Which, I don't know, there's so many questions that I'm sure my questions are so small and detailed that they won't get answered. That's very possible. Because yeah. there's a lot of stuff that is brought up and seems like it's going to matter. Right. And just doesn't pan out. Yeah. They bring James back in and they all kind of have a look battle. Yeah, kind of again. Right. Look back no, no Every barking. time James gets yeah. brought into the cell, because he's the only one that gets taken out, apparently. Yeah. Every time he comes back in and passes Bobby and Mike, they just look at him like yeah. they're trying to punch him with their eyes. Right. And they, they did not bark this time. Unfortunate. Um, I feel like that was a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To establish the bark boys. The bark boys were already exhausted from their first bark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not really super important, but there's a scene somewhere shortly after that with Donna and her mom. Um I only wanted to bring this up because really there's nothing important other than I, I think this is the first time we see her. Or was uh, her, her mom? No, she yeah, was her in mom. the first episode. She was in the first, in the first episode? episode. Yeah, okay, well, I didn't bring it up, but yeah, her mom was played her. by um, Mary Jo Deschanel, who's Zoe Deschanel's mother. I thought that's who that had to be. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Interesting. She's in the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so is she in a wheelchair or is that just a so. weird I think that's just a weird character thing. Yeah, it's a weird... I think it's part of the character thing. I, I wondered if it was going to come back around to the fact that her husband is a doctor and maybe... Could be. He he swore to be cure her and fell in love with her. Maybe, I don't know. I just I, I related the fact that she had an illness to the fact that her husband was a doctor. I wanted to say it was okay. a car accident, but I don't know when that gets brought up because it's not like she she's. I mean, she's not necessarily a major player in the. Yeah, just, I mean, she's around a lot for sure. But I I noted that that was kind of a throwaway scene for me. Yeah, it's, it's kind of just Donna saying that I'm in love with James. Right. <laughs> it was James all along. That okay. I don't know that we even touched on in the pilot episode that. Donna and James like make out hard. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. We didn't bring that up. My one of my favorite lines in the pilot episode was <laughs> James saying, "I'm sorry," and then no, nothing happens, and then he says, "I changed my mind. I'm not sorry." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, within five seconds. Yeah. That's so like, James actually, Hurley. Okay. Now that some time has passed. <laughs> Like, I like oh, the blossoming flower of JK. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Um so after after the uh the scene in the cells, I guess it's a flashback or the video again of Laura. Um and then you just hear her voice. Oh yeah. It's a strange transition. I think that's right before the Donna scene at their house, like with her mom. Yeah. It's so weird. What does she say in it? She She's says, like help me. Uh, help me. Yeah, help yeah, me. It, yeah, it's, it's so weird. Me. And because they just cut to that two out of nowhere. It just cuts to that footage. Yeah, I was. I think it's just. I don't. I don't know this, but it, for me, it seems like it's just to show that her influence is universal. Like whatever it is about Laura Palmer's death, mm-hmm. it's haunting the town. It's not just that people's memory of her or their connection to her. Is that something about her? Yeah, is still there, and it's calling out for something. We don't know who the intended listener is or who she's yeah. calling to, but it's there and something has to be done about that. 
Yeah. But it's so quick and it's so out of place. It is out of place. I was very, mm-hmm. very confused yep. about it. Yeah, it's really random. Um, there was a scene too back at the sheriff's station when Cooper meets Big Ed. Mm-hmm. This he explains gets, a lot about his relationship with James for me. Right, that he's his uncle because that's when it, he asks him that. Yeah, Coop leaves to take a call from Albert Rosenfeld. Uh, who, that's A L B E R T. Yes, I E L D. One of my favorite characters, Albert. Um, <laughs> then, uh, most importantly, it's sort of a throwaway line. Almost, I mean, it's not. It's not really. But I never picked up on it to be honest until this rewatch was when he when Big Ed says that he was probably drugged at the roadhouse before yeah. the fight by Jacques Renault. Mm-hmm. Jacques Renault is it was so well, and so was character. the bartending yeah, yeah, bartender yeah. and he yeah. says I think my beer was drugged. Yeah, it happened so quick. So clearly shady stuff goes down at the roadhouse. Yeah. Don't be surprised why there's high school people at the roadhouse. Clearly this is not <laughs> right. there's high schoolers and drugs, but yeah. let's all just have a good time. About yeah. nine thirty. Donna <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I I questioned it the first time on this rewatch because uh, like again I'm I've seen it but I'm not 100 percent on all the facts. I kind of questioned it when he said like I think I got drugged because I was almost off my feet before I even got to Bobby. Right. Like, is he just trying to cover up that he mm, yeah. got his ass handed to him right. by high school? Also yeah. that, or was he actually drugged? Yeah, I didn't to, think about that, but land. that's also you know because he yeah. mentions that his pride hurts more than his head. Right. Right. For sure. But the fact that he said he prefaced his beer being drugged with naming the person. Yeah, who was he called bartending. someone out specifically by mm-hmm. name. Said so and so was bartending. It's like who is that to drugged. you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who is Jacques Renault to Big Ed? Right. Uh, also, kind of in passing, because I miss it the first time. James says to his uncle Big Ed, "I'm going to need some help from the Bookhouse Boys." Yeah, the delivery on that line is kind of funny to me too. For some reason, he's like, "I need some help from the Bookhouse Boys." <laughs> it's like, oh, like we need to call in the ringer. Yeah, right. It's just like, well, who are they? <laughs> but yeah, it, it's quick, and I miss it the first time i didn't catch till the second time around because i didn't think we learned about the bookhouse boys until much later. later yeah no. and we still don't know what it is it just gets yeah. mentioned right yeah and then the only other thing really there is that cooper lets bobby and mike go and just says them that they better not go after james because if yeah. they do he'll know who right <laughs> they get also says that he was on a stakeout at the roadhouse not that he was there to meet but with that's just, right, that's yeah. just which cover. again was it a cover-up or I think what that was did he actually have have it Yeah, I don't think he was trying to, to say there. he was there with Norma. Yeah. yeah. It was just a cover-up, you think? Yeah. Okay. Um, so are we at... We're at the convenience store. The convenience store. I think you call it a convenience, convenience store. <laughs> but no, Norma runs into Nadine at the convenience store. That's right, yes. Norma, yeah. uh, big ass side piece. Literally run into literally each other. Literally runs into eyepatch pirate monster. And it's clear right off that they... The, Clearly, there's something off with that relationship because Nadine is immediately like, what are you doing here? That she's very <laughs> yeah. hostile. About yeah, very hostile about her being there. <laughs> but she's buying cotton balls but, yeah. for the drape runner. But then invention. she goes right into that and she seems fine when she's explaining the drape stuff. It's like, okay, it's just odd. Nadine is a very hot and cold character towards other characters. She scares the hell just, out of me. Yeah, it just depends on <laughs> what second of the day you catch her at as, as far as to which version of her you're going to get. She's um, just so bananas. We do need to bring up uh, 
Coop and Truman going to see Josie. Um, I don't know where that falls either, but I'm pretty sure that's, that's here. That's immediately yeah, nice, yeah, because this is one of my favorite scenes as well with Pete. When you first see Pete, he's immediately, he's got fish in he's his hand. Fish. Yeah, he's cleaning fish. And then he delivers one of the best lines uh, of the series. I don't know if anyone wants to take it. There well, was I a fish Josie... in the percolator. Well, <laughs> On top of the morning. On top of the morning, Pete. No, Josie. <laughs> It's top, top of, of the morning. morning. <laughs> so like two of my favorite lines appear in this scene. The fish in the percolator is one of them. The other one is when um, I believe it's Josie asks him how he likes how Coop likes his coffee. He says black as midnight on a moonless night. <laughs> to which Pete replies, <laughs> pretty black. <laughs> <laughs> pretty black. <laughs> black as midnight on, on a, a moonless night. night pretty black yeah pete martell might be my favorite character he really is great aside from coop pretty underrated if nothing else he's for sure the comic relief oh absolutely i I find it funny that the probably the funniest character is the one that makes the discovery of the body and has to tell people first or even the way he told it with the wrapped in plastic it's just it's sad yeah it's something that shouldn't be funny but the delivery of it and just that that is i think you have to have that balance because if it was immediately that dark you might right people watching abc might just turn the channel because like i've got kids you're right i mean it's time to not show that that's almost like it was the perfect way to establish the show is what it is was having pete (laughs) be the one i think ambiguous tone is the theme (laughs) yeah for how everything was directed yep yep um so did did we find out later that um I don't remember her name. His Josie? wife. Josie. No, no, oh, no. Uh, Catherine. Catherine. Did she put a fish in there? I don't know. Oh, yeah. Is that episode up. three when he's cleaning on the boots? Well, he he mentions it to her, like, accusingly. He's like, there, there a, fish a fish found its way in. And... Took a liking to my percolator. Yeah. But it's, it's not really acknowledged past that. I right. think he thinks she put it in there. But yeah. it's never explicitly explained. Okay. One uh, of the great mysteries of the show. <laughs> I need all, I need all these questions answered. These come answer. from who is Diane? These are the burning questions. Who is Diane? Who put the pit? Who put the fish in the percolator? That's the new Who shot Mr. Burns? Yeah, Laura Palmer. By the way, apparently a very good English teacher because that's where Josie learned her English. Yep. Oh man. Uh, but we figure out that Catherine Martell is banging Benjamin Horn because everybody's <laughs> banging somebody, and yeah. they want to shut the mill down for land. Yes. For the land. Yeah. All it's I know not is he was, her he's after. It's oh, her land. And he likes to kiss her feet. No, he does that's not feet kissing. Thing. That is like <laughs> sucking on her toes. Sucking her toes. very uncomfortable with the fact that she was like almost popping out of the wraparound blanket situation. She was. Yeah, Catherine was. She and this was, was like broadcast <laughs> yeah. television. It was like, okay, really scary scene for me the first time because I just wasn't ready for it here. <laughs> Uh, we get Donna visiting Sarah Palmer, and Leland says before she sits down, try not to upset her, and immediately upsets her. Yeah. Through no fault it, of her in, own. Yeah, doing nothing. Yeah. Just, She's just existing. Her being there is a trigger. Yeah. Uh, Donna starts to look like Laura to Sarah. I she, love she that. She goes to hug her really uncomfortably. That edit of like, the Laura. superimposed face. Just very uncomfortable. It's a, it was a lot like a, did you ever see Ghostbusters 2? Yes. Yeah. 
when uh, Vigo starts yes. to take over the baby. Yes. It was that right. strange for me. Same time <laughs> frame. That image. Those came out like the same within the same year. <laughs> I'm really? pretty sure Ghostbusters came out in 89. Man. Or Ghostbusters 2. That's, I guess it just speaks to the special effects of the time. <laughs> yeah. I think it does. How puttingly not clean they were. It's funny but, you say that. That comes up a lot, I feel like. When really? you think of a certain special effect, it's clear that it's like, oh, it reminded me of this. Oh, they came out in the same year. It's just, it happens more often <laughs> than you yeah, think. Yeah, for sure. Like in, in the time of... Uh, CGI the rocks in the Scorpion King and <laughs> right. similar CGI effects that harken back to that. It's oh, kind of the same thing. But uh, yeah, so Sarah sees Lara and Donna and goes to hug her. And while she's hugging her in this panic, in this hallucinatory state, Tyler, yes, what happens? She sees some dude <laughs> not in a mirror. <laughs> right. A man physically in her home crouched, crouched. behind a piece of furniture looking yeah. at her. So it it was confusing because they're in the living room it is on confusing, the couch. Because it looks like he's behind he's the bed. Like he's yeah. behind the bed. Yeah, yeah, it is confusing. But also, Sarah hasn't left this couch since Laura died, it seems like. Since she was <laughs> right. sed- sedated. So maybe some kind of bed apparatus has been wheeled into the room at this point. Yeah. But it, it is a very out of place looking but piece But also, I'm, I'm at a couch level sure. right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like further down, like 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 squatting. Yeah, like, like he's about I to don't jump know how you could get. Booga, booga, booga. <laughs> get he also lower. doesn't really have like any sort of facial expression. To be yeah, honest, he's completely stone faced. Yeah, it's very. Like, he isn't moving at all. No, he's not, he doesn't seem to have any sort of intention or motivation. There's just a homeless-looking, gray-haired man in a denim vest crouched behind a maybe bed <laughs> staring at a woman who is in a hallucinatory panic. Yes. And I just, it's such a short cut. Like you see him for so little time that there's no time to process what we just saw. Yeah. I remember the first time and I saw that, I was just like, my skin what crawled. the hell? <laughs> yeah. Who is that? Like it's just, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. What is this show? Yeah. What is this show? And I, it took me a while to recover from that, honestly. I think I paused it on the rewatch just because I was like, I forgot that was about to happen. But uh, we've got uh, Hawk talking to Renette Pulaski's parents when he again sees the one-armed man that you may have missed in the pilot. Yeah, Definitely. He was coming him. out of the elevator in the pilot when at the hospital when also, Coop and Truman were getting on, right? Yeah. yeah. And also, this is not the same day. Correct. So... This guy it's is the next day back to the hospital or never left the hospital. But this is where he at. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know what he's doing. I don't know if he's like, yeah, fumbling, fumbling around, <laughs> swinging that one arm, trying to knock some drugs loose on the cart, take him home. It's but, weird to me, though, because Hawk, he's clearly dist- he's distracted by him mm-hmm. and he follows him. But then once he gets past the door and sees that he was going towards the morgue, he he suddenly decided not to follow him and he just turns around and leaves. Yeah. I was very confused so by there's, that. There's an apparatus. There's something up against a wall that yeah. gets a lot of attention. First of all, I don't know what it is. the room is blue. Yes. Yeah. The sign he looks at says oxygen storage and, and morgue, morgue. Yeah. both to the left. Mm-hmm. He only looks right and then we see the apparatus and then you hear the door close to yeah. the left it, it where he's not like looking. A, like an incubator. Right. It almost made me seem like something was calling him to just be like, mm, never mind. But then later he's like, oh, I lost him. Like, Yeah, no, you didn't lose him. You didn't pursue him. Right. Yeah, you didn't continue <laughs> You on. did not try. Yeah. You have to try to lose him. It would have been different if they actually established a shot where he was like looking two ways down a hall, like a hall or something, and nope. you clearly don't see him. Then it's like, right. okay, yeah, you lost him. Just looks at a piece of equipment and says, well, he's not in there. Yeah. He must be gone. Twin Peaks law enforcement. <laughs> just <laughs> doing their best. Twin Peaks finest here. It's almost like they just like 
give people jobs because they need a job. <laughs> hawk was not watching him. This may like not. A this hawk. may not. This may not be at all what happened. But it <laughs> seems terrible. like before he looks up and sees him, it's like he senses him. Right. So he just kind of like perks up and turns to look to see that there is in fact somebody down the hall. It. He doesn't catch his attention visually. He kind of kind of snaps up yeah. and is like something's here. Then after passing through the doors, it's like he's maybe he's lost the spiritual trail. Like he just doesn't feel this person here anymore. And right. well, maybe I imagined it. Maybe. Maybe. Head. And all this happened after Ronnie's father made a stupid joke. What I forget joke? what I forget what it yeah. was, but she used to joke and say it. It was the best smelling job she ever had. Yeah. So Ronette worked at the perfume counter <laughs> at the Horn department store. And that actually is important. Very important. But, uh, it but that information comes very quickly. Next, uh, my note says Audrey dances question mark. Yeah, when she's in uh, Yeah, in the in his the office. Or, no, this one's oh, in his yeah, office. Yeah, yeah. yeah, this is in Ben's office. And it's so her stance is kinda like if a hypnotist puts you to sleep on stage. Right. And then tells you to dance while you're hypnotized. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of this just like limp necked swaying. I read like right. half sensual. It's it's very weird because she reaches for her blouse. That's always and, how yeah. she moves though. Yeah. I read like everything turns her on. It works yeah. for the exactly. show. Yeah, that's perfect. It works for the show. But I I think I believe I read that Sherlyn and Finn like hated like dance or like or could maybe couldn't dance or said she couldn't dance and so this was always very like hard for her <laughs> like it was hard scenes. for me to watch yeah but maybe but maybe if that's actually the case and and you know that might have have <laughs> helped i guess in the way that she pulled it off because i feel like it just well it, it just fits with everything going on yeah, it definitely <laughs> tracks and when her dad walks in yeah and she like stops and like smiles yeah and then she picks it back up and keeps going she's th- just, that's when i wrote down that she was diabolical so, <laughs> yeah, the song that's playing is titled audrey's, audrey's dance. dance on the sound yeah and it's such a weird song yeah for somebody to put plays, on to dance to i feel like it yeah. plays like in most of like most of her scenes it, it plays a lot well yeah the laura palmer theme that plays play, the yeah most. well laura palmer theme plays more than it's anything ever to do with laura palmer sometimes mm-hmm. which as a fan and just knowing i mean this is just me mm-hmm. it kind of annoys me just because the song is called that mm-hmm. so if i'm assuming it's like in miami vice they have crockett's theme yeah. so it's like when i hear crockett's theme i expect crockett to be mm-hmm. on the tv or at least something related to crockett but in a show like sometimes this, Laura Palmer seems playing when stuff completely unrelated to Laura Palmer is happening. And I, I don't know that I have a, a strong enough recollection or that we're far enough into the series for me to say for sure. But I feel like it plays a lot of times when it's like something that will be important later right. is happening. Yeah, because all of this kind of does tie back to Laura Palmer, but really only in that she was murdered right yeah like the murder really has nothing to do i almost feel I'm like too far ahead and i could be very wrong about this but i almost feel like the second part of it once it gets kind of past the like when it gets more like sinister no like when it gets less than it like when it gets to like like that part i feel like that's more of like laura palmer's theme whereas like that beginning can be we're just gonna use that anytime anything yeah it's almost a place yeah yeah it's you're exactly right it's like a placeholder mm-hmm. yeah that, that's a weird scene it's like this weird film noir jazz audrey's dances yeah that's... let me talk about my favorite scene in this episode yeah please it's when bobby briggs gets smacked by his father <laughs> <laughs> and that is the next scene immediately yeah. after this weird dance. oh it's, it's right after this okay. yeah we get i knew it was coming at dinner so we get a we get his dad speaking robotically sympathetic. That's Garland Briggs. Garland Briggs, yeah. Major Garland Briggs. Just the way he's talking is so 
It's so Twin Peaks. Right? <laughs> it's I'm, so Twin I'm Peaks. proud of your rebellious nature. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's narrating an instructional tape <laughs> as he's talking to Bobby right before he smacks the bejesus out of him. Out of so nowhere. hard. That it forced a cigarette into meatloaf. Do you know how hard that is to do? I tried to recreate it after I saw this and could not make it happen. Did you go to great lengths such as making a meatloaf and uh, yeah. buying a pack of I cigarettes? I built a dummy that looked like Bobby and put a cigarette in its mouth and slapped it. Missed the meatloaf every time. Is there any of that meatloaf left? No. That is a shame. But now that I know somebody else likes meatloaf, you will be getting an invitation next time. You've I been looking it. for one other person in the world that likes Emma meatloaf. Emma hates it. We might be soulmates. Girl, I yeah, know I, it. I loved that scene. I loved it for that whole conversation, the delivery of it, and him yeah. just speaking very robotically sympathetic to the, almost to the extent that I thought it was going to be, this guy is so delusional in his well fatherhood. <laughs> Two, if it wasn't from the shoulder rub into <laughs> the pilot, but this even... it's Once you hear him speak, this just made me crave more of Major Garland Briggs. I was praying that I was unaware of a Major Garland Briggs spinoff show when the show got canceled. <laughs> I was just hoping <laughs> they were going to give this guy something. Because, man, a lot of story to tell. How did he become a major? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot to unpack with that it's guy. It's like an I Dream of Genie kind of show. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. He knows a thing or two about rubbing. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> All right. Uh, if whoever's listening, go find this Indiegogo page. <laughs> And just direct all your dispensable income into this spinoff. Please. <laughs> Sadly, the actor who played him passed away. I think I think it was like 2008. But So, yeah, Bobby's dad talks to him kind of like an alien that then beats him. Uh, <laughs> before Cooper finally gets to the Double R Diner and gets to try their cherry pie. Mm, yes. uh, Three pieces. Two more pieces. of. He has the metabolism of a bumblebee. <laughs> Uh, they get to finally interact with uh, the lady with the log, who they call Log Lady, that we forgot log to mention lady. in the pilots. Yes. Yep. She says that her log saw something the night of Laura's murder, but Cooper doesn't ask the log when she asks him to, and I don't know why. Yeah, I don't either. It seems it is weird because he asks her what, think, did, what did it see. I would think he'd go after her it, to yeah, like be like, oh, 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 it doesn't seem yeah, too far fetched for Cooper to just ask the log. Right, it this guy who divines information from dreams and believes in all these spiritual things has a lady with a log that says, my log saw something. He says, what did it see? Yeah. Says, One day him. my log will have something to say about this. Yeah. She says, ask him. I guess they just That's use that as a yeah, plot device a for what? a future episode. Yeah, well, just, one day we're going to hear from the log. Yeah, it was just it was out of character for me that Cooper wouldn't I'm, ask I've the got log my fingers crossed that there's an episode with a talking log. <laughs> there's an entire spinoff series with talking logs. Yeah. Major it. Briggs and the talking log. Love it. I'm on board a uh, hundred percent oh yeah what are we going to do today log log has nothing to say (laughs) (laughs) so okay so when shelly gets home to leo he has already set up the soap and a sock situation for shelly's arrival so he can beat her with it for losing his shirt like an insufferable waste of organs my god what a piece of shit he's a piece of he's a worthless human being (laughs) he is (laughs) 
with a ponytail yeah. that he maintains. He, very well. If he's good at anything, it let is... Me, let me just say this. His own hair. It's Leo blinding. Johnson yeah. is not cool. My favorite blue shirt, Shelly. <laughs> you know the one. Where's my... Yeah, <laughs> it's the third time this is the second one this yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, I love that he indicates that this has happened before. Like every time I get a favorite blue shirt, this <laughs> exact it. thing happens. And get a little blood on it, it disappears. You know that I like to do bloody stuff in my favorite blue shirts, <laughs> Shelly. Come get your sock back. Oh my gosh. He is the worst. Just mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and played the exact same way as the pilot where it's like he was not given lines ahead of time and just kind of had to wing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But not yeah. mean it. His delivery yes. is so... It's it's. It's really, it's this really rough. There, but he does not know what he's saying. No, yeah, he's just on autopilot. Sad that uh, him and James haven't had any scenes so far. Well, James gets a scene. <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, when he goes to the Haywards for dinner, uh, yep. the Haywards never really question what happened with Mike, who is kind of the boyfriend to Donna, but was yeah, never. They with don't her. question that, right? Yeah. It's like also they were going steady, but he was never there. Does Harriet ever come back? The sister. Yes. She may have gone back to her home planet. So they're they're having dinner. Is that where we are? They, yeah, they're having dinner at the at the Hayward's house and her parents get up to leave, so James and Donna have just a little bit of polite whisper sex. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before that, like Bobby and Mike pull up to her house mm-hmm. and they see him in there. They yeah. see him in there. And uh Bobby's like, Too bad we can only kill him once. Like, what are you gonna do? Yeah. For real. I, oh, oh, I, or what are you going to do again? Because we've learned that Bobby may have already killed somebody. Yes. So we don't know how dangerous Maybe it was James. Are. They can beat up bars full of bikers. Maybe they, they're caught in a time loop and Bobby has already killed James before. Whoa. And he's going to do it again. This is that first time theory Mike, stuff that I love. Maybe let Mike have a turn, Bobby. <laughs> Just Jeez. this once. They have this really weird quiet interaction and I feel like they don't really do anything past that. He just comes to dinner. They are just like, it's really good to see you. Yeah. That's kind of where their night ends. Um, Yeah. I I thought it was really funny. um, And I don't know if it was intentional or not. They were in the living room and the parents were leaving and her dad's like, are you joining us for church tomorrow? And she says, Mm -hmm. yes. But then he like just kind of lingers there. Is he, is he going to stay? Is yeah, he, is he really Are you not stay and watch this? Is he really not leaving right now? We're planning on doing some pretty heavy whispering, <laughs> and then he finally leaves. But then Donna does this thing again, where when she kisses James, she's like, "Oh, James, oh, James." James. Oh, it's James. so weird. James has that effect on women. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just made Looking like he's best, holding a permanent dump yeah, in his pants. His best James Hurley face. <laughs> and hoping nobody notices. <laughs> Old Hurley oh, face. Oh, man. We get uh, Dr. Jacoby in his office. Yes. This is the ending. By the this, way, I don't... Yeah. This is the this, final... Yeah, this... This is where we this, close this episode. Yeah, is. I don't like that. It's pro- I don't know. I just feel like it's it's, it's kind an of, odd ending. Well, it for me, it's, it's just kind of Lara's moment to talk. Yeah. Where yeah, so with this, a dead character, right. you don't get a lot of lies. You the are first getting, time it we is making the character come to life. I mean, there is that, so... But again, I get more questions than I get answers from these tapes. So Laura saying that I think I'm going to get lost in the woods again tonight. Mm. Um, And then... Very cryptic. Talking about her mystery man um, again... As soon like, as she mentions meeting a mystery man on the tape, Dr. Jacoby puts headphones on. So and we then don't you know stop hearing what she's saying anymore. Right. Which another that was a very subtle thing that I thought was very cool. Um, when he put the tape in, it was playing through the speakers. Mm-hmm. And then when he plugged the headphones in, it took the bass out. 
and then you heard it until so when he put the headphones on and it stopped playing like it made it more realistic that mm-hmm. they did those little nuances it was a really cool way for to, the audience yeah yeah, yeah to break yeah. down the information and to cut it off right in a <clears throat> believable way yeah mm-hmm. i i loved it because you want to know what he's hearing that's making him kind of take this posture that's almost very relaxed at first yeah and then he just starts to sob Right. As he opens a coconut. <laughs> Which, obviously. I mean, just leave it at that. Obviously, just, it's obviously. a coconut. Who doesn't just have a coconut later yeah. in the office? I mean, Dr. Come on. Jacoby. If you don't have a coconut in your office, what are you doing? And yeah. hollow it out. Don't be an animal. Right. And uh, it's revealed that he has dug up the other half of the necklace. Yep. How long was Dr. Jacoby chilling on this stretch of road to witness the necklace being buried and then to subsequently get it back up? I have no idea. I see him squatting behind a tree, motionless for hours. No food, no water. <laughs> Maybe they'll stop here. Right? <laughs> he didn't follow them because there are no other cars, cars yeah. on the road. Right. Mm-hmm. He had to just be there to see this happen. Yeah. He um, was probably getting lost in the woods as well. Ooh. <laughs> you like that theory? <laughs> Maybe he's the mystery man. He So so That's Sarah um, Palmer, mm-hmm. yep. we think sees him picking right. up right. thing. So yeah, does she then yeah. have some connection to Jacoby? I think it. I think it's just the fact that it was or does connected she have a to connection Laura. Okay. to Laura. Yeah, I think it's just but, the fact that it had something to do with Laura, and that it was going to affect, I guess, people's perception or knowledge of her later. Right. Because I guess it's just as her mother. And gotcha. just the fact that there is something about this town that connects people and things in a really supernatural way. Right. From the beginning, we know there's something wrong about the town. Just from people's behavior that gets dismissed or accepted as totally normal. Like the youths of the town and their just, rebellious behavior. Yeah. This is episode two, uh, titled Traces to Nowhere. Okay, episode one. I really, really like this episode. I like, that we, get, uh, I like that we get the nuances of... I like that Bobby gets punched. I like that Bobby gets punched for sure. Slapped, I like uh, yeah. <clears throat> I like that we get a little more taste of what's to come as far as just the strange in the yeah. town, like visions and connections and possible just like divination from the air. Like if, if there's one person who is going to be affected by something else, they might get a vision of that. That might be what put Jacoby on the street that night. Maybe he you know got touched by something and was like, oh, that's where I'm supposed to be. I don't know why, but I got to put in these finger long earplugs Go crouch in the woods <laughs> my, for hours. My antenna. Yeah, because who knows what might happen. Yeah. I like it that it's just the introduction to things getting a little more not of this world. Yeah. it's It definitely opened up the, the sci-fi end of it for me a little bit. Um, the spooky Yuki kind of worms. Yeah, the first, the first episode was more large town crime <laughs> drama. <laughs> large town. Yep. Patrick? It's also, too, it's just like, you, that pilot it's like with any pilot it's you're establishing everything and, yeah you know and even in this case where it's like an hour and a half it's even longer but hell you've got what what did we say 33 characters or something so what we landed on actually no we, we get a couple more this episode I think yeah we, we get could, more this episode for sure i think um, we end with i don't think so you're ever not going to keep getting more we get Jacques Renault. albert was mentioned but he didn't show up yet He's mentioned, but he will be a player. Right. Uh, so we've had, Jacques Renault was mentioned. Renault show so a lot of characters mentioned. were mentioned. They just haven't yeah. appeared. Yeah, so we have 35, 36 <clears throat> names that matter. Yeah. Not all with faces, but again, it's just... At least the character dump has slowed down to a trickle. Yep. So we have a little bit of time to process yeah. who we already have. 
Yeah. Put names with faces, get their backgrounds and their interactions, why they matter. And I love the next episode for this. It does a good job of reestablishing who's who for what, if you're yep. paying attention. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Tyler? I don't know what to say other than who is Diane. <laughs> <laughs> no, great episode. It, it, and... it was really good. I I really enjoyed it. I really have my suspicions about Leo and how he can They've definitely... twirl a soap sock so fast <laughs> that it makes that sound. Um, They've definitely, I feel like, set him up for sure at this point as suspect, you know, number one. Oh, yeah. Um, like... Almost the out of everyone, too obvious. They've, yeah, they've yeah. put too much on him. <laughs> yeah, this is not his first time building a soap in the sock. Yeah, no, I... Also, before you cut it there, the end of that shot is the most just dull thud. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he whooped her. <laughs> yeah. Strike one. Poor More so than How that bruise you, indicates in episode three. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's episode two. Tristan's nowhere. Uh, this is Talking Backwards. If you have any questions, feedback, or insight, please reach out to us at talkingbackwardspod at gmail.com or our Instagram at talkingbackwardspod. Patrick? You can also reach us on anchor.fm slash talking backwards where you can leave us a message with any uh, feedback, questions, or compliments. We love compliments, right, Tyler? My name is Judd. (laughs) (laughs) As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Talking Backwards. (laughs) 